This is Contractor Sense with Ruth King. Welcome to Contractor Sense. Here you discover ideas, tactics, news, and information that matters to your contracting business and you. I'm your host, Ruth King. This episode is sponsored by HVAC Trustbooks. Go to HVACTrustbooks.com to discover how this tool can help you close more sales. Thank you for joining us. Here's how we will help your business and you today. This is part two of the customer retention program that Mike Ratchford did for us a few weeks ago. Enjoy. Now, you think that customer, when it comes time to replace the system, is going to call a competitor? Probably not. Probably not. Because you did two things with the gift card. You valued the relationship. Thank you for being my customer for 10 years. That tells them you know they've been their customer for 10 years. But you also said thank you in a tangible way. You didn't try and sell them anything. You just gave them the gift certificate. Go. Now, me, the gift restaurant that they get a gift certificate to would be my commercial customer. Okay, because I'm going to bribe the restaurant into being my customer. And I'm going to get the gift certificate at a discount. That's beside it. That's my business side of me. Okay, does that make sense? And if you use a couple other ones. But that's how you can begin to leverage things. So this is really important in terms of the things you heard today and the fact that you want to do some things. So let's, let's move past that for a second. Customer experience is controlled by, and controlled by organized and managed touch points. Organized and managed touch points. Touch points can be physical. Touch points can be electronic. Touch points can be telemarketing. Touch points are anything you do that touches the customer. Touch points can be uniforms. Touch points can be trucks. Touch points can be service tickets. Touch points can be invoices. Everybody begin to understand what I'm saying? If you touch the customer, it's a touch point. And you have to look at all those touch points that you're putting out there to the customer going, are all these touch points consistent with what the experience is I want to create for the customer? Now, I heard today that you want to make, Dave said, make text personal. How about business cards with text pictures on them? Cheap. Same price as business cards without text pictures. No difference in price. Does a picture on a business card make it more personal? Does a biography of the tech that he talked about putting on the page on the back of the business card make it more personal? Okay, you heard things today that I can do in touch points that make things different. Put his picture on there. Put the biography on the back. Now when this customer and say, oh, by the way, give this to somebody that you may want to refer me to, who are they referring, the tech or their friend? Who are they referring? They're referring a friend. Why? Because it has their what on it? their picture. This is my friend, John. Call him. Changes the whole start of the relationship on the referral. Cheap solution. Business cards with pictures. Cheap solution. So a tech comes and you buy three months worth of business cards and he leaves and you have to buy another 500 business cards or 1,000 business cards. Who cares? In the big scope of things, it's cheap expense. Cheap expense. You want to get more personal? Make your business cards more personal. <laughs> I knew that was coming, Brian. Thank you. You can tell certain people in the room I have relationships with. They have no fear of throwing the barbs my way. Okay. Okay. So let's just look at a couple things. I mentioned Amazon earlier. What's your perception of Amazon from a customer experience point of view? Easy. 
Good communication. Good pricing. Good website. Quick shipping. I didn't say that. I'm going down a list. I didn't say good or bad at this particular point, but your perception of Amazon is what? Now, let me just give you a for instance, okay? How many of you are Amazon Prime members? Everybody in the room. What do you pay a month for Amazon Prime? Yearly, right? You can tell I'm not Amazon Prime, but I know about Amazon Prime. How much does it cost you a year? Let's say $100. You know how many people they have on Amazon Prime? 159 million. Times, anybody got a calculator? Take 159 million times 100. Huh? A lot of zeros. And guess what? That's what? Amazon Prime is their what? It's their PMAs. Thank you. It's their PMA agreements. $100 a year, year in, year out, year in, year out. Where do you think that money's going when it comes into Amazon? You think that's going to the operating expenses, or do you think that's going somewhere else? Going somewhere else. It's, it's just, it's not, it's, Will? I think alimony came out of cash, but, but that's beside the point, because they got a lot of that. Will? Okay, so thank you for that. Starbucks. So we know Amazon changed the paradigm, right? And we know that their paradigm change makes them a monster to be dealt with. Starbucks. What was the cost of a cup of coffee before Starbucks opened their first shop? Anybody know? Huh? 75 cents. The average cost of a cup of coffee when Starbucks opened their first shop was 75 cents. Anybody here a big Starbucks fan? Well, that's my first question. Okay, so what was the paradigm shift that Starbucks brought about? Because you just hit it. They didn't sell coffee. Their coffee, black, sucks. It's terrible. It's burnt. Coffee drinkers hate Starbucks. You couldn't get me in a Starbucks coffee shop. I hate it because I drink black coffee. What did they brew their coffee to do? Mix all that crap in it. Okay? That's. But, and, 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 but so now, what's the average Starbucks ticket for a cup of coffee? Anybody have a clue? Huh? 486. Somewhere between 450 and $5. 75 cents to $5. But, but they changed what coffee was, and they changed the experience. In a coffee shop, you go in, you get your coffee, you go out. What happens at Starbucks? You go, you got to wait. <laughs> Love you, Larry. Well, but, but you know, so, but, but people come in, they hang out, it's a meeting place, it's social, it's, it's free internet, it's got all the stuff, hey, come to here, use the internet, if, you, if, you, if you're a business guy and you need a place to hang out, do your work, come in, have a, you know, spend $12 on stuff you don't want, okay? They, did they change the paradigm? Okay, so that's two good examples. United Airlines in the last three years has done what? Give me two examples. 
That's one personal one, but how about a bigger, broader example? How about the, how about the doctor they threw off the plane and hurt him? Okay, Did, no, but I'm just talking about perception. Did that change everybody in the United States' perception about United? Think about it. And they just recently had one where they threw another. You'd think they'd learn, right? They just had another one where they threw somebody off the plane. Yeah. <laughs> but, but with them, it could have been through the luggage compartment, Bob. I'm just, you know. Okay. So here's. I have no control. It's okay. I've known Bob for a long time, too, you gather, right? So here's the difference. Dave said it differently, but, but I'm going to say it this way. Customer's perception is their reality. Customer's perception is their reality. What do we think as owners? First slide, go back to the first slide. Be honest with ourselves. What do we think is reality? We, we think our perception is the customer reality. We think our perception is the customer reality. And if that's your attitude in your company, I think you are what? Well, and doomed to fail when somebody in your marketplace changes that paradigm. Do you understand it? Amazon changed everybody's paradigm. Amazon put people out of business. Starbucks changed everybody's paradigm. They put people out of business. Whoever changes your paradigm in the HVAC business or in your market is going to put people out of business. It's either going to be you changing the paradigm and on retention and customer experience, or your competitor's going to do it first. But somebody's going to do it. Does that make sense? Somebody's going to do it. So these are the things about retention and why retention, we think, is going to become the most important subject over the next five years or something. Customer lead, experience leaders, when we measure people that say, hey, we think we have a great vendor, here's what we found out. Those companies have the highest margins in the industry. Are they discounting their prices to create the experience? No. They're getting the money to create the experience by doing what? Charging more, and then ch being ready, charge more and go. I've said it 100 times, OK? If you charge $7 more on a service ticket, I'll just pick a number, and you take it in your head how many service tickets you run in your business, you should know that, at a year, right? And you charge $7 more per ticket, how much money would you raise? And if you put all that money in customer experience, how much could you change it in one year? Did I impact the profit of your business or not impact the profit of your business? I'm going to impact the profit because I'm going to have better customers. But I didn't change any of the revenue, did I? What I raised, I spent. Everybody following me? It's not cheap to do this stuff, guys, but it has to be done. They have greater client. You got that satisfaction. Why do I say they have greater employee satisfaction? Why would I say that? Because we can pay them better as one. What else? They're not getting butt kickings all the time is another one. Why else? Less stress. Absolutely less stress. Okay, it's a fun place to work for. Our customers love us. Men are always telling us good things about it. You need to come work for us. 
Make sense? So create this stuff and, and, and create it. I'll just say we're not good at all of this, but we, we're, we're better at it than some. I have nine employees in the company. The least experienced employee I have in the company is 13 years. I've not had one employee quit in 13 years. Not one. So either they're stupid or I have a good place to work. <laughs> one or the other. Okay, does that make sense? 13 years in, a, in an admin kind of tech customer service takes is a long time. It's a long time. So my employees are relatively happy. Here's the biggest thing. I told you raise revenue, but the reality is if you build a great customer experience, you'll lower your operation costs. It will cost you less to run your business. The better you have customer experience defined and followed, the lower your operational cost. Well, it's not just redoing them, John. It's just doing it right the first time. It's, it's getting a referral. It's, it's, it has a, mul a multitude of positive things. But remember, all of this stuff that we've told you before is now built onto this main subject called retention. Okay? Everybody following it? All right. So here we go. How do we know all this stuff works? Your opportunities. Ruth talked about it over here. Active customers and on demand. You need to have a customer experience map for your active on-demand customers. It can be notifying them by postcard that it's time for their service agreement. That's certainly a way to touch them. It can be noticing by email that it's time for their service. That's another way to touch them. It can be notifying them by phone. That's another way to touch them, okay? But what I'm saying is for your active on-demand customers, if you don't have touch points and communication paths set up, you're letting what happen to those customers. What? You're just letting the competition do what you're not doing, right? When we take a customer from somebody, how many go, I didn't have an HVAC contractor before you got here. If you get a new customer, you took it from somebody, didn't you? You don't take care of your customers, who will? Thank you. I, I don't want to define it because I don't want it to be self-serving, but what I'm saying is have some sort of on-demand plan. You're inactive customers. Okay, now this is where we spent our time last year testing. Someone asked Brian, because you did a fall campaign for us with us, right? How did that go? I've seen my clients' salespeople struggle when a customer asks why they should use your company rather than the competition when your price is higher and you both are proposing the same equipment. I've seen technicians struggle when customers ask them whether they should replace an 18-year-old air conditioner. And most salespeople and technicians never ask the one question that most customers are concerned about, yet never ask. Can I trust you? I found a tool that gives your salespeople and technicians the ammunition to answer this question and more. And the tool works. How do I know? 68% of my clients are using it to increase sales and referrals. What is it? A trust book with your name on it as the author. More details are at HVACTrustBooks.com. Warning, there is only one contractor per area that can get these great books. Some areas are already taken. They've gone to my clients. If you want your area and want to have a tool for your salespeople and technicians to increase referrals and sales, then go to HVACTrustBooks.com now and reserve your area. Eliminate costly warranty leak repair headaches. Three years ago, Ruth King wrote a leak policy letter for one of her clients who was dealing with huge warranty leak issues. When she gave the letter to technicians and trained them on how to use it, warranty leaks went from zero, that's right, zero, 
Then, she gave the letter to one of her other clients and any contractor who wanted it. The results? The same. Zero warranty leak repairs. The unexpected benefits? An increase in replacement sales. Ruth shares his letter with anyone and everyone who wants it. So, get your sample leak policy letter for free. No strings, no catches, no guarantee of results. Go to hvacchannel.tv or call us at 877-520-4321. Click on the link in the middle of the homepage to get your free leak policy letter. I hope you experience zero warranty leak repairs and eliminate a major costly headache. We're back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. Here's Mike. All right, so you got 46 customers back. How many new systems did you sell? One new system. 46 customers back on service and one new, one new install. So what did you charge on the service call? What was the average service ticket? Do you happen to know, other than the, other than the maintenance call itself, the service call? What the average ticket, what was your average ticket running? Uh, let's just say $100, just for. It was slightly $100. All right, so let's just say 100. So 45 times 100 is how much? <laughs> 4,500 in revenue. Okay, how much you sell the new system for? $13,000 in revenue. Cost you what? 2,000 bucks? 13,000 revenue, $2,000 investment? How many of those will you sign up for? Well, you got 46 customers, but, but, but in essence, you got 40 on new band, whether it's a new customer or an active customer or whatever, 46 new customers. You got it in less than a month. You don't know if you sold any maintenance agreements on it yet or not, right? Okay, so again, from a retention point of view, those of you that, that want to do something in retention, if I'm picking a direct mail program to do with postcards, with postcards, it's going to be to inactive customers, bar none, inactive customers in your database. Absolutely knocked it out of the park last year with that market, with postcards. Every campaign we did paid for itself. We didn't have one campaign that lost money. Mailing to the inactive customers. Yes, guy. We think two years, if they haven't done business with you in two years or longer. That's our definition. You can define it however you want to define it. But for most of the customers, we ask them was two years or longer. They haven't done business with you in the last two years. The answer is I'm going to, I'm going to, okay, so I just, I, I just had Brian because we just, there's other things. We, that's all we did with Brian when we talked to Brian. We said, look, let's try this. He said, I need business. I said, hey, if you want business for the least amount of investment, this is where I want you to go. And so again, he trusted me and he did it, right? And he said, okay, and he got his money back. Okay, in the spring, we, had a, we have another person in here that I've never met until she came in the door. And we mailed three times to her inactive customer base, three months in a row, boom, boom, boom. Prime selling months for, for the spring for them was, I think it was April, May, and June, because California or something, we went into June. I can't remember the exact month, okay, but I think it was April, May, and June. So we mailed three mailings into her customer base, okay, got great response, lots of appointments, okay? So, uh, David's sitting in there, you all know Bob, right? And he can't be here, so I mean, um, Chris Bishop, okay, from David's Heating and Air. So Chris called me up and said, hey, I wanna do some stuff, you know, and you're always talking about this stuff, and you know, I don't, you do all my prospect mailing, but I wanna do something different. So I said, okay, let's not do any prospect mailing in the spring. Boy, now you think about that for a second. Busiest time of the year, right, spring? No prospect mailings, none. But we did mail all his inactive customers, okay? And I don't know the exact numbers, but he'll tell you that his techs were, built, were, were booked out 
pre-summer, six weeks in advance. These are inactive customers coming back for service. Six weeks in advance. Eight techs. And they were, Will? Two, two on his particular piece. Hey, Will, you know, I pay attention to what you tell me, boss. You know, I can be taught. So here's the, here's the net result, and I'll give you all the stuff he did. Here's the net result. He grew his business 17% last year. Anybody here think 17% in your business is pretty good? Huh? Do you take it? Five million in sales? It's a pretty good-sized company now, isn't it, in terms of its company? Marketing cost, 3% of sales. Yes, sir. terms of what do you mean the span? Just when they did business with you last. The trip charge still doing business. If you had it, okay, I would scrub the list first, let us scrub the list for the hundred bucks just to make sure we know what's there and what's valuable or not. We see a, a return on investment go down dramatically at five years or longer. So we would probably recommend you cut it at five, okay? It's just somehow we can't recall, the, 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 you know, there's not enough muscle memory, okay, to relate it to the experience that we can recall the muscle memory, the, the retention. 3% of sales, so he's not spending a lot of money in marketing, is he? $5 million, 3%, okay? So I said, okay, okay, Chris, how did you spend it? This is what's gonna astound you. Billboards. Because we had saturated the market three years in a row with direct mail to customers and prospects, okay, all around his business. Everybody that was in his market area had gotten at least five postcards in the last two years. Everybody. So he decided to go up with billboards. Got great response. Okay, off his billboards. Direct mail, spring he did inactive customers. Fall he did inactive customers again with the same offer. Prospects and maintenance customers. Now, I didn't do a, uh, his maintenance customers. He said a, a veteran's card and a thank you card in November. Hey, happy Veterans Day, happy Thanksgiving. Sold two systems off of it. Just thanking the customers. Thank you for your vet. Thank you for being my customer. Two systems. Cards came out, two systems. Boom, boom. He was happy. Now, what we discovered in his area, he's, he's more service for air than he is for heat. So we're going to change that schedule this year, and we're going to take the prospects up to the spring. Okay, does that make sense? Because they're, they're more likely he's going to get a better response with the prospects. But this is how when we make recommendations to you, we make changes based upon what we're hearing from customers and how it's working in terms of that. And then he has a whole thing that he does. Okay, that's kind of the program that he followed. And then he did social media. He did Facebook ads that matched his postcards. So his Facebook stuff matched his postcards. So if it was a service Facebook post, it matched the postcards. And then incentive to employees, so his techs are all incented. So are so his office people. And then they, for somebody asked me the question about the on-demand people, they email the customer, the on-demand customer, and they phone call every customer, the on-demand ones. That's what they do, phone call every customer. Okay, everybody understand that's, how, that's his program. That's how he drove his 17% growth. But it's all about retention. And 
what are your plans for 2020? If you don't have a retention plan for 2020, I would suggest either you call Ruth, call me, call somebody. Do it yourself. Okay? Here's the big reason. Right there. You want to know why we're telling you retention is the biggest issue for you guys? Right there. To maintain or reactivate an existing relationship is 25 times less expensive than acquiring a new one. 25 times. So every dollar that you're marketing for prospects, you could turn that around and invest that in your existing group of people, and you'll get a better return on your investment. And if you wanted to still prospect, that's the last, I'm getting going fast, Ruth. Now, one target's inactive, I told you that, correct? Target maintenance customers, I told you that. Target on demand. If you're gonna target prospects, if you wanna target prospects, there's only two programs we found that work really well. Number one is neighbors of maintenance, neighbors of maintenance clients. So you take your existing maintenance database. We give you the neighbors, not the circumference neighbors, but the actual neighbors that live next to your maintenance customers. Mail to them. Don't mail the whole street, just mail to the people that are like three to the left and three to the right. That's how tight it can get. That's the neighbors of your maintenance customers. And the other one is poster routes for new installs. So all you guys have heard of EDDM, right? If you send us your new installs, we can give you the postal routes around the new install, and we can mail that postal route, which means it's all likelihood all those houses might have been built at the same time. So we're not shotgunning prospecting. We're trying to go where you were successful, and we want to put mail where you were successful. So these are the programs that, from our point of view, are the most successful programs in terms of having successful programs. If you want information, call me. I have business cards. Here's the two reports. And then a lot of people, when we first came out with the reports, got confused. So we had a bunch of chambers of commerce we were making a presentation to. So this says chamber, but you can change it to customer. We're changing them all, OK? And what we actually did is we laid out an entire year plan. Okay, the activities we thought they needed to do to retain their members. Okay, all they have to do is follow it. So it gives you an idea when I talk about touch points and roadmaps and that kind of stuff. You can look at that and go, okay, I begin to see what he's talking about. Does everybody kind of understand that? If you want that, they're up here on the desk as well. I'm done. No questions? That's a lot for an hour. I basically guarantee that if you do what we tell you to do, the business will grow. That's because you're a millennial. Now, interestingly enough, to contradict that, the US Post Office service surveyed millennials. OK? Millennials. Number one way they want to receive new information is by mail. Number one way, by mail. So the post office would argue tooth and nail that you're not right. No, you're talking, you're talking about client getting a communication for you. That's a whole different strategy. We're just talking about the marketplace as a whole. David? Correct. So again, it, contrary to, you know, we get it, okay, and eventually it all moves into digital. And that's why in the plan we say there's a digital involved, electronic texting. You know, I got a client that buys a lot of stuff from me. If I don't text her, she doesn't respond. I mean, period. You know, you'd think she'd want to have 
more, far more personal, but she said, I can answer a text 24-7. I can answer in a hotel room at 3 o'clock in the morning. I think, I, think, I think a card that, that, that acknowledges that this is their eighth year they've been a maintenance customer is smart. Okay? I think that's a smart marketing thing every year to send that card. Hey, a thank you card that says, hey, you've been our maintenance customer for X amount of years. If you send us an Excel spreadsheet with the numbers in them, we can just print the cards like that. You don't have to do anything. And we'll just address the envelopes, put the card in it, and you're done with it. Well, I can make the type look like hand address. I'm just not going to sit down there and write 3,000 freaking addresses by hand. I'm not going to do that. Okay? And then, and then if I did it for every client, it's 150,000 pieces by hand. Teresa has nothing to do. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, but, but again, I mean, she's right. I mean, we, we can use type that looks like it's handwritten. But, but I think, again, if it has your name on it, it's your client, okay, th there's going to be some value to the fact that they, they do it. All I'm saying with retention, I'll get there in a second, Will, is whatever you do, pick the, pick the communications up. Pick the touch points up, and all of the touch points cannot be electronic. They all cannot be electronic. You have to have some tangible touch points in there. Did you find a font? I don't remember what the font was. Oh, okay. Well, I, we got a couple of them. If you want handwritten, it we can send you some samples, and you can look at them and, 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 and go pick them. I had to look at it more than once. Damn it, I opened it. Now, if I can just, <laughs> if I can just give my last tip, okay, because this, this, is, this is Chris Bishop's tip to you guys. You know, he said everybody wants the best business practices. So all of you guys have manufacturer's reps, right? You all have co-op money, right? You know, if you mail, they'll give you some co-op money. Everybody got that, right? And they give you some number at the beginning of the year, correct? Somebody, everybody got that? You shake your head, right? Chris Bishop got 100% more than that. 100% more than what they gave him. 100% more. Now, how did he get it? He asked for it. He, all he did was ask for it. He said, hey, look, this is what I did with your co-op money in the spring. This is the amount of business we got. This is how many boxes we moved. Okay, I used all my co-op money, and I want to redo that in the fall, and they went and got him more money. Okay? Then he, in November, he wanted to mail to his maintenance customers, and he said, hey, this is how much business we've done so far. I want to mail to my maintenance customers, which are my best customers. I need this amount of money to do that. They gave him twice what he asked for. Where'd they get the co-op money? We suggested where they got it, and they did it. They went to every other dealer, HABDC contract, that hadn't used his co-op money, and they took the account and put it in his. The money was allocated for co-op. His rep went and got all the other reps co-op money and took it and put it in Chris's account. How did Chris get it? He asked for it. Now, we learned our lesson, right? So Chris and I are talking about his 2020 plan. Chris, I said, how'd your first quarter go last year? He said, it sucked. I said, we need to ramp up the mailings in the first quarter. Chris goes, I don't have any money. I told you, it sucks. I said, go get co-op money. He says, there's no co-op money till March, April, May. I said, ask. You know what he got? $21,000 for first quarter mailings. He's going to put $40,000 worth of mail out in the first quarter. You think his competitors are mailing? No, because they don't have any, any money. You think he's changing the paradigm? You want to do something in the first quarter? Call your reps and say, hey, I need co-op money. I bought X amount of boxes from you last year. That was a good amount of money. Give me money in the first quarter. I don't want to lose money in the first quarter, nor do you want me to lose money. Give me money. 
You give me money, I'm going to market. So I'm telling you, you don't have any money in the market now? Call your rep. You'll have it by the end of January. You got to push them. But they'll get it. Especially if your boxes went up in 19 over 18. If your boxes went up, you need to hammer that nail quick. This is my tip. That's Bob's. That's Chris's tip. That's Chris's tip to the group. Thank you for joining us. Choose one thing that you discovered and implement it in your business. These ideas, tactics, and strategies help you make more money, have more free time, and give back. If you like today's program, spread the word. Please review this podcast on any device you're listening to it on. Help a fellow contractor make more money, too. For comments or questions, call me at 770-729-0258 or email ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. Thanks for listening. Have a great and profitable day.